0: This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit vfisad.com and let us bring your vision to reality. This is Morgan Berry, the voice of 13 from My Hero Academia. You're listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live.
1: It's time to talk to- Anime comics, movies and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft. But I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids. To learn how to let go. Live life and show love. To all things, that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks, the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes all can learn something new. Me too. I heard worse, when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, though my haters tempt me. Beat the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games, to so come on, and let's get it. Talk Time. Anime, comics, movies, and games, to so come on and let's get it talk time anime comics movies and games to come on and let's get it talk time anime comics movies and games to come on and let's get it talk time
0: gentlemen welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah welcome to a dc edition of the show actually probably for the next two weeks is going to be all dc related because we got a review of a new animated movie that has come out in the form of justice league war world which we'll be talking in our talk topic of the week next week blue beetle comes out and i'm actually looking forward to that because it involves uh one of my favorite actors right now my man from uh cobra kai and i cannot wait for that uh series to come back that final season to come back that's got to go with a with a hell of a bang for that but that's coming out next week too so this week we're going to be covering uh justice league war world see what i thought about that as well as another uh DC related, you know, show or series that I watched on Max, which was the DC story or superpowered a DC story, which is a three-part documentary series that covered pretty much the history of DC comics and its evolution. And it both is success and failure. So we'll we'll talk about a lot of what happened in there and why you may want to check it out if you're a comic book fan, if you're a DC comics fan, or a comic book fan in general. So stay tuned for that. Plus, we got all the other news going on in the world of our favorite fandoms so let's not waste any time folks let's find out what's new in the world of acmg
1: and now it's time to find out what's new in the world of acmg
0: before we get into fandom news I wanted to go on a side note here and you know talk a little bit of hip-hop news because this is the 50th anniversary of hip-hop right now and we just got news that an unfortunate passing of I guess you could say a legend and if you will I mean he just do made some moves along with his uh partner in crime at the time you know uh Magoo you guys if you're hip-hop aficionados out there if you're hip-hop fans out there you know him from Timberland and Magoo Um, they made a lot of freaking awesome hits. along with Missy Elliott genuine, uh, you know, Aaliyah back then. And just those dudes were forced to be reckoned with. And every time this dude came out with Timberland and they had a hit, it's one that you will never forget, like love to love you and other, um, tracks that they did like, he didn't do that many, but the, the hits that he made with Timberland are unforgettable. Like they made hits really major hits that there are other hip-hop artists out there that have come out with hundreds and hundreds of tracks and good tracks but none of them have been one of those tracks like those that they did that remain imprinted in people's minds for years to come for generations to come and he's did that he died at the age of 50 there's um no acknowledgement of how he passed away or caused a death or whatever like that but he died at the age of 50 so as we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip-hop he died at 50 he was born into hip-hop and he died when we celebrated the 50th of hip-hop so rest in power magoo and uh you know to all friends family and fans of him you know he he left a great legacy and some music to remember some great awesome dope fun music to remember and uh you know years ahead so just wanted to put that out right there so let's get back into some fandom news here and let's start like i said this is a dc comics themed episode because there's a lot of stuff re- pertaining to dc comics including my adventures with superman which is becoming a very successful show in the eyes of comic book fans and anime uh, anime fans and yeah in fact this is a superman anime this is done by studio Mir. they've worked on a lot of different anime projects And if you look at the way that this is the show is designed and the character design and animation, it is very much anime. And uh, no more than this week (laughs) is proven because of the character design of uh, Mr. Mixelplick. And this may be one of my favorite episodes today. This is episode seven. And this involves Clark and Lois or Lois and Clark, if you will that they're trying to go out on a date. What I love about this series, first of all, is that they are actually this universe and they recognize that this is this this episode totally, you know, acknowledges that there's a multiverse out there. So this is a different universe. And, you know, we don't have to get into this conversation about this is not based on the the prime or whatever like that, or the canon or whatever like that. It doesn't matter. This is a different universe. DC Comics has pretty much created the multiverse theory in comics um it's duly documented as we will talk about in about a minute when we talk about the documentary um so i love this episode like more more than the other ones that i've seen because they focus on a multiverse they acknowledge the multiverse that exists and also they introduce the league of loises i love this a league of lowest lanes of different you know, multiverses, much like the Spider-verse in a lot of ways where there's a different Lois in a different area. One in particular, there was a black Lois Lane and Jimmy got so excited to see this Lois Lane out there. There's a clip that you can see online, a a image that you can see online of all the Loises. But Jimmy's with the with the uh, female uh, black female Lois and he's raising a hand and pointing with happiness about this it's awesome but the league of lois's are trying to stop clark because he they consider him a danger in almost every multiverse that's out there so um they're trying to stop him meanwhile him and lois are trying to go out on a date and i think i love about this series and this universe um as i was trying to explain before is that they didn't beat around a bush with this series this series in this particular universe, it's not the same old situation every, every Superman series that we, whether it been live action or animated, it's always the same thing. Lois doesn't know that Clark is Superman and they drag this situation out and they drag their feelings out. You know, what, whether, you know, Lois is in love with Superman or Clark at this point. And we've seen it multiple times in multiple different, uh, variants of the, of the Superman series. They did something way different here with this series, whereas, like, by the third episode, they you know, first of all, Lois was immediately drawn to Clark, not Superman. She was more interested in knowing more about Superman, but she was more drawn to Clark Kent. Now, other Superman, you know, uh, stories, it's Lois being more drawn to Superman than Clark, because Clark comes off like a sort of a uh a klutz if you will in some cases the christopher reeve version was like that he you know where the glasses indicate that he's a nerd to some extent um he's you know socially awkward if you will not this one this one is totally not it and she immediately has some attraction to clark and clark by uh back to her uh and by the third episode, she finds out that, he, that he's Superman. Jimmy already knew that he was Superman. He could not keep that secret. Um, but they immediately start to connect by like the fourth or fifth episode. And now we're at episode seven. They're trying to, you know, go out on a date or whatnot. They're trying to really connect. They're both nervous. They are trying to find ways to make the perfect first date, if you will. And then all of a sudden, all these leagues of Lois has come in. And on top of that, we get to see this, this, universe's version of Mr. Mixelplick, which is no matter what variation that we see, they always cause a lot of trouble. They never disappoint in comedy. This one may be one of my favorites right now because this is what I call anime Mixoplicks. And he, I mean, the way they designed him was really cool. I loved the way he looked. I love the personality that they implemented into him. It's a little different from other uh, Mixoplicks in the uh, universe and, and whatnot. So, but what they all have in common is they all distort reality and this is no different and i i just love it i love that this show brings a little bit more nuance to the mythology of what we already know about superman and that's what i think what is drawing people aside from the fact that the the art style the animation and art style is completely different they completely gave it an anime you know vibe to it and It just feels refreshing. It's a lot of fun. And that's what we don't get too often with, you know, uh, Clark and they said, they said in the beginning when, when the, uh, trailers for the show was coming they announced that the show was coming that you're going to see Superman, like you've never seen him before. And I would agree, I would agree. This is a very comedy based show, but it still carries the essence of what Superman stands for and what it is about. And they still have the dynamic of Lois Clark and Jimmy you know, friendship together with a lot of other things. And it just, it works, you know, they, they, they took the, they took, it seems like they took the core essence and the formula of what makes it work, but kind of just gave it a different spin with it. And they didn't do it too. They didn't do too much. They didn't do a little, um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a right balance of it. And it almost feels like what they did with Harley Quinn, but with Harley Quinn, you could go all out you can go crazy with that show because she is crazy from the beginning and she you know even though she premiered during the uh batman animated series she still carried herself in a different way whereas clark has all he he started out like the 50s or whatever like that as this really conservative type of boy scout type of character that wouldn't do comedy that wouldn't do no wrong he was always calm cool and collective now we're seeing him a little bit more refreshed, a little bit more open, a little bit more relaxed, if you will, um with the times, if you will. And and that's not to say like even the Superman from the Justice League, you know, during the Batman animated series era, he was kind of open up too. He became more humanistic as well. This is like the most humanistic version of Clark Kent I've ever seen to date in my knowledge. Even with the new 52 anime uh animated movies that came out before this newer rebirth version of these animated movies uh, have come out you know he was a lot more collective um i would say the the rebirth movies is what i call it the uh the newest line of uh dc animated movies that we're seeing now with the thick outlines um much like the the justice league war world you know movie that we're gonna uh, talk about in the talk topic you know he's a little bit more open and he's a little bit more, uh, human, you know, they humanized him a lot in this one, but this one is just, it, this, this absolutely reminds me of ultimate Spider-Man in a sense of like, yeah, you know, Peter Parker is, you know, he's always, he's always comedic. He's always witty and all this stuff, but even the tone of that show was a little bit off the wall. This one kind of is that, but slightly not too much. And it gives me that same vibe. And I love ultimate Spider-Man the series. And I love what they're doing with this. So if you have not watched this, it is on Cartoon Network, AKA adult swim, which I find funny because there's nothing really adult Swimish about the, about the show. I thought because they put it on adult swim that we were going to see a little bit more adult oriented content. You really don't, there's nothing. there. It's a very family oriented, uh, family oriented show. They haven't, at least to my knowledge, not yet. They have not covered any situations that require adult orient, uh, you know, um, you know, adult oriented, you know, explanations will like, you can't put Harley Quinn on Adele swim without editing or bleeping out some things that she says on air. That's that's a very adult swim show. This one could have been shown at seven o'clock <laughs> on Toonami, if you will. I, I, you know, maybe just that, that episode has not come yet, but So far, it's it's pretty it's pretty good. It's actually more than just pretty good. I love this show. It's one of my favorite DC um series right now in a long time. So, you know, it's on Adult Swim every Thursday at 12, and then on the next day at Max. So go out of your way, check it out if you got either of those platforms to check it out there too. So all right. Very interesting thing that happened this week involving the release of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I got it, I got the digital and Apparently, there are fans that are seeing things that I apparently did not see in my version of it. I got mine from Apple TV. I got I bought the digital from Apple TV. I mostly, for the most part, I buy all my digital movies from Apple TV because they give you a lot of the extras, you know, within it. And deal with this is that they're saying that it was changed. There were some lines changed on air, and there were some other scenes that were spliced in and cut and whatever like that to their version i can't speak for the people who did who bought it maybe from amazon prime or voodoo or any of those other places that you could get the versions from Uh, their claims that there are certain lines that were changed uh that were more pivotal to the that people loved i won't say was pivotal to the it like the lines didn't define the the moment of the movie it didn't change the uh, the outcome of the movie it's just a line that people love so much and they just for some reason changed it on some different platforms um like at the end of the day i'm like i didn't i watched it did not realize it and then i watched it again yesterday and on the apple tv version everything that i saw in the theater is what you see in this apple tv version everything is intact um there was no re-uploads on on my part on my version everything is there I did see that some people did have some changes now with that said I get why people will be upset because you want everything that you experienced in the theater to be everybody's good and granted that line that he did where he's fighting basically the line comes from the scene where miles is you know the big chase that uh of you know that he's going through. He's getting chased by every single Spider-Man in every universe coming after him to stop him. Because they, you know, find out, they uh tell him that he's the original anomaly, if you will. And there's a part where Miles sets up Miguel and he holds him, he he's ready to venom blast him with the it with the words originally said, nah, I'm gonna do my own thing. And then he just blasts him off. Apparently. In others, other versions there, there is him saying it's him saying, nah, I'm going home. And then he does, he blast him off. So, all right, I get why people will be disappointed. Disappointed should be the word that you would get upset. I don't think you should really be upset about it. Um, yeah, I get it's weird because you don't know why that change was made for those versions. But I would also argue that it's not that big of a deal. It's not that serious for you to be up in arms. Like this is one of those pick your battle type of situations and, or, and maybe it could be the media that, that media outlets are hyping it up way more than it should be. Like I, I saw it on IGN and IGN has a way of trying to, you know, they heighten the volume of their platform to get reaction that's exactly what they do they do this all the time um which to me is kind of like it's kind of a little shady if if you will like yeah they'll put opinions they'll put they'll put an opinion the word opinion on some of their their uh posts but they put it in fine print it's like really small compared to the big headline because they know people there are people out there who only voice their opinion based on the headline of what the Hi, what the uh subject is and not really read the article so they'll put like they'll do they'll do a graphic and this is how it's done they'll do a graphic put in the headline of what they put in the article don't actually put the link of the article there they'll do it later on after the facts but they'll put on a graphic that they design that they actually design put in the right color scheme and everything to attract people and it put in this big headline and then people they, cause they know people don't focus on reading the article. They only focus on giving opinions based on the headlines, which is totally a foolish thing for anybody to do. You need to read the article and then maybe bring your opinion to it. But also you may need to also do further research because IGN is not the most credible source out there. I mean, they're, they're, they're one of the more credible sources out there than most. They're able to get access to mo to, to to you know things that other outlets can't but they even they can do things they can get things wrong every once in a while themselves they're not perfect and their reviews on certain games can also be a little bit iffy because it's feels like that they give rev- they allow people to review things that they're not always best invested in and you can tell when somebody's not really invested in when you read the article but they don't rely on people to really read the article. They rely on people to get snapshot comments. And those snapshot headlines is why we, you know, people listening to those snapshot headlines is the reason why we're in a situation that we are in this country right now, to be honest. It's like people don't focus. People don't it's we, it's a short attention societal societal thing that we're doing right now, instead of just being patient reading things, reading things thoroughly. You know, I just talked about this with somebody where we're a country right now full of people who may not be a, the smartest people to be relying on. So like when you read comments from people, those comments may be from people who lack merit, who doesn't, who, who has lacks the experience of really giving a an opinion or even a comment they and people talk as if they're professionals at things I talk only of things that I know that I experienced that I learned from people who do know for the most part I speak from a fan aspect and I speak from my own personal opinion not and my opinion should not dictate what other people are thinking that's what IGN does that's what other people do it because it's a hot take that's all it is it's a hot take but you shouldn't take it seriously and what they do is that they heighten the volume they turn up the volume of that one thing and make it seem like it's like it's way bigger than what it is and when there's only like a vocal minority of people who are making comments like this and they capture those little that vocal minority put it on their platform and and heighten it make it bigger so there's also this situation where they just put on right now saying like somebody one of the marvel directors are saying super there is superhero fatigue and i don't think that's true i think if anything if you say that if you one person and this is just one person saying this this one person doesn't dictate the minds of others but they cultivate the minds of others who don't have minds of their own and for me Personally, I don't think it's comic book movies that I'm fatigued of. I'm more fatigued of the toxicity of these of social media more than I am comic book movies. Comic book movies make me happy. They make me smile. There's nothing wrong with them. They're doing nothing wrong. Unless they're like, you know, they're doing nothing wrong in a sense of trying to make a great film, an exciting film to make me happy. If the if the movie is great, you can't deny it. You cannot deny it. It's like saying like people were, you know, people were like berating comic book movies for decades, but a couple comic book movies got Oscars. So you can't deny it because it all comes down to how great the movie is made. It doesn't matter if it's a comic book movie. It doesn't matter if it's a comedy. It doesn't matter. You know, it's, I believe I remember somebody else, um, blamed comic book movies for the lack of comedy movie. I'm like, no, how about you just need to make a very funny movie that people can't deny. How about that? It has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with like people always kind of target comic book movies because of how successful that is becoming when something gets so successful people, there's a few people, a vocal minority of people who start to like become contrarians and want to go against the grain to, I guess to create the balance of it, like to tone down the popularity of something like, all right, if you're a Taylor Swift fan, that's awesome. I don't believe you should hang on to her religiously. I don't think you should hang on to anything religiously, but if you're a fan of Taylor Swift, that's fine. If you're not a a Taylor Swift fan, you should not care about the heightened popularity that she has obtained this year and throughout her career. I don't listen to Taylor Swift music, but I'm not going to dog anybody for not for being a fan of her, but I am going to dog somebody for being too extreme about it. <laughs> like you can there's this fan there's fandom and there's fanatics. And when you hit that fanatic level, you kind of go off the deep end with that. You kind of go a little bit extreme. So that I have issue with, but that's not her fault. That's it's not really slightly there's some part of it that the fans need to take accountable for their own actions in terms of who they believe in influencers like don't listen to influencers either like anybody who's deemed an influencer or the least likely person that you should be influenced by i i hate the term i never like the term at all and this is all goes down to the idea that you know media just heightens up these things because it helps them no matter what damage it makes for the people that are reading or listening or watching people just need to use critical thinking a little bit more but i digress i recommend anybody going to get the apple tv version if you can if you have that capability because apparently there's nothing wrong with that one that one i literally just watched yesterday just to make sure before I got on this show to talk about it, that, you know, it wasn't going on here. So the Apple TV version is all intact. And I actually recorded it. I took a clip of it, that very scene and recorded it and put it on the ACMG Facebook group for people to see. It was like, no, it just, it's all there. It's all there for Apple TV. So, I mean, even if it's not, at the end of the day, it's not really that big of a deal because it doesn't change the story. It doesn't change like if they change the whole entire story around if they change the ending or a really pivotal moment of that movie that really made a difference yeah then there's something to be mad about because it's like now they're changing things of that nature but it's just a line it's just a line or two or, or or scene that doesn't really take away from the actual main part of the story so pick your battles people that's all i'm saying all right and some other awesome news the legendary martial artist himself, the master of Jeet Kun the creator and founder of Jeet Kun is now getting an anime, a much-deserved anime, an anime based on the legendary movie star, martial artist, philosopher, and civil rights activist, many people don't realize that, is coming to 2000, is coming in 2024. An anime entitled House of Lee will be an action-fantasy-based series where Lee recruits honored fighters that he calls the dragon warriors to fight back the darkness and of the world the show is based on uh his show is said to be based on his philosophy uh and beliefs of that he quotes those who are unaware they are walking into darkness will never seek the light i love first of all i'm i'm one of many huge bruce lee fans bruce lee's philosophy i i people love him for his martial arts and his movies. I love him for that as well, but I also love him more for his philosophy and his advocacy for equality. People don't really understand his contributions and what he's done. The fact there's always the, the modern day discussion about procreation. It's hard to have that discussion when you know the history of Bruce Lee. Yes, you should respect other people's cultures. You should celebrate other people's cultures as well. And Bruce Lee did exactly that. He wanted to share. He wanted to share martial arts to people all over as a way of bonding. He almost died. He, they tried to kill him because he wanted to bring a secret tradition in, in his country and bring it to America and share that. He almost, he was, he almost died trying to do that. Like it's it's duly documented that he had to fight for the right to share martial arts. We would not have had martial arts in this country if not for him doing what he did. We wouldn't have had UFC. We wouldn't have had kickboxing, any of that stuff. He was the one that brought martial arts to this country. And it was, it was not agreed upon. But he did it because he wanted to share. He wanted to, you know, be. Uh, he was being, uh, you know, Democrat, you know, he's diplomat. He's trying to be diplomatic. I'm, I'm trying to say, and his diplomacy led to a lot of people knowing how to discipline themselves in a way of martial arts and now we have various martial arts. Now we have mixed martial arts here and his philosophy towards that is just awesome. I highly recommend getting the art of G do or the Dao of G can do, um, is one of the books I bought ages ago because I was a fan of him, but then reading the book, he has philosophical quotes in there that is literally changed my life. Um, it, it it helped me take accountability for my life because I was in a really downward spiral in my life, and I was not taking accountability for the actions that I was taking. And reading his book and him talking about truth is something that was enlightening to me. So, and then on top of that, you got his famous quotes about you know with the interview that he did about you know be water and what that represents. And this one is another one like those who are unaware they are walking into darkness will never seek the light i can tell you i know people who need to listen to this quote and it is an awesome quote but it's an awesome meaning behind it and what's awesome about it is that the studio known as uh, shibuya known for the classic uh, anime white rabbit will be working on this project and of course shannon lee has agreed to partner with the project as a representative of the, uh, Bruce Lee foundation, which oversees virtually everything that involves the late great legend. And, um, you know, you really, there's a rarity, uh, that if something's going to be involved, that's going to involve, uh, Shannon Lee's father, that the Bruce Lee foundation will be aware of it and they will approve of it or not, because she owns the rights to his, um, to his trademark and his heritage. And, um, his estate. So um they make sure that his situation is, you know, there. Quentin Tarantino is probably the only person that really got issues with the Leaf Foundation because of uh Once Upon a Time in um in Hollywood, which I which is unfortunate because I actually do like that movie and I loved Mike Moe's portrayal of that. Uh so it's it's uh it's unfortunate that they uh felt you know ill will towards it. Um A full trailer will arrive during the release of the 50th anniversary of Enter the Dragon, which will be provided with a new 4K release on digital and DVD, so I'm looking for it. Like, dude, if Enter the Dragon, it still holds. If for those who don't know, if you always, if you're a fan of Street Fighter, if you're a uh, a fan of Mortal Kombat, then you have to be a fan of Enter the Dragon because both of those games are heavily inspired by that movie Tekken is heavily inspired if you notice there is a hint of there is a huge hint of Bruce Lee within every one of these fighting games um world heroes there's the there's a character dragon that's Bruce Lee um Faye Long from Street Fighter heavily inspired by Bruce Lee um Law on in Tekken Bruce Lee Mortal Kombat's whole entire premise of the Mortal Kombat story is based upon Enter the Dragon. If you have not watched that movie, go watch that movie. That movie was c- came out in the 70s. It still holds. It still holds. It's still one of the most awesome martial arts films ever. And it, without even having special effects or any of that stuff, it still holds to this day. Go out anyway, check it out, and I'm looking forward to this uh, new anime coming out. It just, it just, it it sounds awesome. Um, and with Shannon Lee behind it, I know they're going to do it justice because she does not play. That woman does not play at all. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, speaking of looking forward to things, THQ Nordic has been on a tear lately they are coming back with a vengeance I have not watched their complete showcase yet I I have it on YouTube I gotta watch it but one of the things that they did announce coming is something that's been rumored for quite some time and now it is official THQ Nordic recently announced the coming of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Last Ronin which is in development coming to PlayStation 5 Xbox Series X and S as well as PC this is big because i i'm now reading the uh last ronin it is awesome for those who don't know what that is the last ronin is a separate standalone teenage mutant ninja turtle story um it's it's kind of like logan you know if you watch the movie logan logan is set in a separate universe Futuristic part of the universe where you know all the X-Men are gone and it's just um Wolverine by himself and you know X23 to that extent. That's what that movie was based on. Last Ronin plays on that same type of formula. Whereas Raphael's the only existing turtle left, and something really major happened that resulted in the death of Splinter and the rest of the turtles, and and Raphael's the only one left, and he's out to go after whoever's you know left in that case so this is what this story is based on uh it is a highly acclaimed comic series graphic novel if you will and uh like oh it is this is just awesome that is coming I, i'm looking forward to seeing this uh so it's coming it's in the works no date they just said it was in development and that's all we need to know so this could be for all we know a 2024 or 2025 release at best but i'm just looking forward to seeing what they're going to do if they if thq nordic can knock this out of the park this can bring thq back to the premise of what they were thq used to be a really dope like they were most known for the uh the aki engine wrestling games that's where their popularity mostly came from and they had a few other great titles upon that but you know, when you say THQ, you always think, you know, WWE or, um, you know, WCW, or WWE wrestling games in recently, uh, AEW fight forever, which is out now. And you know, there's mixed reviews only because of the lack of features, not the actual core gameplay. The core gameplay is absolutely solid as hell. It just needs a lot of new features and bells and whistles to go along with that. And hopefully they you know they will meet those expectations down the line you just got to be patient once again to the to the short attention society that we of gamers that we have out here got to be patient unless you understand game development you can tell me why this is a fail you know and why and and, in minute detail if you will as to why that game is a fail and how would they be able to come out with you know things right now when, especially when you factor in trying to make sure that the nintendo switch version is solid i totally understand what they did and why they did and why they're trying to do because if a lot of you people forgot 2k games tried to put it put the same amount of uh content that they did on the switch but people don't want to talk about that because we don't want to talk about how that game failed and how this game is in thq nordic managed to make a successful solid wrestling game on a Nintendo switch. People don't want to talk about that. They just want to grind. They want to grind it down, you know, confirmation bias kicks in and you know, there you have it. So nonetheless, THQ, if they come out with this game and it's successful, this can really put them back on the map. And, uh, that's, that's awesome. I, I get, I'm, I'm going to talk about the other games you know that they announced this week when i watch it again and watch it and, and um work with select start this week so we'll see what that comes about but i'm just happy to see that this game's coming they know that they got to do it right especially because you had tribute games uh come out with uh shredder's revenge and how successful that game was you know a lot of the, a lot of the turtle games they were they're way more hits than miss You know platinum games came out with their turtles game a while back and that was good um all the arcade versions that came out prior to were really good like turtles games are rarely bad i've never seen a really seen a bad turtles game um that has come out every turtles game is usually pretty good so if they are able to do what they're trying to do and it's been rumored that it's supposed to be like a god of war type uh of you know gameplay i'm looking forward to this I'm looking forward to this and I know a lot of people are too so we'll see. All right. I believe last thing I want to talk about here is my thoughts on the documentary series on uh on Max um called Superpower: The DC Story. I've been holding off from watching this cuz I want to take time to check it out but overall a really thorough telling of the DC uh the history of DC Comics. If you're a DC Comics fan, this is something that you may want to check out. If you own uh, Max, um, I don't know where else you can find this series right now. I know in America, you can watch it on Max. I know in other countries, it's found in other outlets. Uh, talking to Boris from um, Sunday Night's Main Event on TSN Radio, he um, basically said that they have that series on a, on a platform in Canada. So, either way, find it, check it out if you're a comic fan. Like um, I, I like DC, I love Marvel, but I really like DC too. Um, and just learning a history of what they did. What I love about this, I talked about taking accountability. They did so they did really well in taking accountability for their failures and hair mishaps that they did over the years. They, this, this, uh, documentary is very transparent. If you will, they didn't most companies, there are a lot of companies out there right now that will hide their blemishes. They will hide their situations. They won't talk about it all. They won't acknowledge it. I think that's always a bad, bad strategy in business. Like if you make mistakes, own up to it, acknowledge it. I think you will earn the respect of fans, customers and clients alike if you do. I think the the idea of hiding and and sweeping, you know, um, blemishes under the rug is a archaic strategy in business now. If you are able to own up to it, you will, I, swear to goodness, you will find more respect because we have so many businesses. We have so many people that will deflect from any wrongdoings that they've done today, that seeing somebody admit to it is a breath of fresh air. And I, I do believe that now you will find more people, more acceptable to people who are able to admit their wrongs, but are more willing to work hard to make them. right. So this is what, to me with DC comics has done over the years it's a three episode series on max that tells the story of dc comics the documentary includes virtually everything they worked on from the gold from their golden age to the recent cinematic projects that they're um evolved to now the first episode covered the beginning and like i said it was very transparent telling of the company's successes failures and mishaps which included some very racist overtones uh with some of the comics that they did which showed like superman beating up uh what it looks like a asian uh character it totally depicted in a very racist way kind of the same way that you know black people were depicted racially on certain cartoons and certain uh, books and such like guys remember dr seuss before he changed his ways was like that too um you know big lips big nose bones and the and, and, the hair or whatever like that, you know, it was just, just really bad depictions, Asian, uh, Asian characters were also drawn really badly back then too. So, um, and this was during like World War II and all that stuff. So, you know, world, I believe Germany and Japan were kind of, you know, alike. So they were enemies to this enemies to the state, if you will. So they were drawn very, 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 very badly in this way. So, There were a lot of races overtones over the years, which to their credit, they have really acknowledged. And I was very surprised that they owned up and admitted that on this documentary that they produced. this was produced by, um, Berlanti productions, by the way. So, you know, if you've watched any of his shows on the CW and the Arrowverse, they've been known to, you know, to turn some heads with the things that they've done in terms of, uh, embracing, you know, liberation liber, uh liberated type of you know storytelling and content and whatnot and you know embracing equality and representation if you will so I, you would expect no different from here and I, i'm just glad that warner brothers and dc comics uh, well dc comics run by jim lee so i'm you know that right there you would have no problem with that and this was an awesome this is really telling of the direction that DC comics has gone to since Jim Lee has taken over, you know, we got milestone media back now. We, you know, we're seeing more, you know, um, you know, representation and appropriation, uh, in, in, in these, uh, TV shows and content from DC. So I'm all for it. I love it. I love what they did here. So I was really doing, I was really surprised. And maybe not because again, this was done by Jim Lee, um, who used to work for this company. They even credited marvel comics for being the uh cutting edge at the times when they were not missing the opportunity to grab more mature audience with their storytelling they talked about how uh they would have to play catch up with the uh with creating stories that people could connect to um if you guys recall we talked about this with the with the stan lee documentary on disney plus which also said the exact same thing so i was really surprised to see that they doubled down on what that documentary did because there was always the discussion that you know when dc comics was still um creating you know the you know the boy scout superhero and the mild-mannered superheroes and you know they also had the batman series with adam west which really, as much as we love that series now, back then it was really looked at as a joke on Batman and in DC Comics, and it said, and just it just became a tone deaf type of situation, especially with everything that was going on in the world at the time. Whereas Marvel Comics addressed those issues and wasn't afraid. Same as now, they're no different now. They were Marvel Comics has always been that company that has embraced whatever is happening in the world it will be brought into that story in their in their comic book universe and that's why people to this day appreciate what marvel did because they always made characters and stories that were relatable to them that they could this is why I love everybody loves spider-man so much because regardless who, of who peter parker was he was a guy going through a lot of the same stuff that a lot of people can relate to paying rent having you know trying to find you love you know being alone being an outcast, whatever like that people could relate to peter parker in that way they've always had characters that could relate whereas dc comics at the time did not and if you go watch the the stan lee uh documentary they also had it there was that footage of a doc of a talk show from back in the day where stanley and a dc executive was there talking about along with a comic book enthusiast was talking about why you know what com- what makes a comic book sell stanley believed that b- making relatable characters and stories did D- the dc comic executive he was totally out of the loop and disagreed and the comic book enthusiast is like you know i would never recommend a dc comic book to anybody under the age of what four or five or eight or six or seven or like that and he articulate he-, he articulated why that was it was so awesome i still want to find that 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 talk show because i want to see the full conversation of that it, it's it's a must <laughs> okay um one of these days i i, I might look for, search for it online soon it has to be out there so but I, I i was just really as i watched this documentary i really enjoyed seeing that they were open book they did not hide anything that they did um they just talked about you know everything for that matter, and I really respect it—the direction that DC is going to now. Because it, it, here's the thing: we have a tendency as people in our society, whenever somebody does something wrong, that we damn them for life, that we totally cancel them out. And as I'm saying this, I recognize that I am somebody who is currently not watching the current WWE product, mostly because it's not because the company has changed; it's because it's still in the same situation that they are now I have also said that if Vince McMahon leaves that company and takes no more control of what's going on in that company fully retires I will reinvest in WWE I think that man may outlive me <laughs> seriously I hate to say that but like it's something about Vince McMahon I think he's a vampire but um in more ways than one but I will fully like i'm one person who are like if people if i see that people you know putting in effort to change what they've done i will support that i people supported me when i changed my ways too um people were more acceptable to that back in the day like if i was if i did what i did back then now i'll probably cancel out myself (laughs) okay um but i worked my ass off to redeem myself and i think people should still do that DC has done that. You cannot hold on. Disney is another one. Like Disney, there's, it's been no, if if you watch Family Guy, you know the issues that Disney had back in the day with Walt Disney and his beliefs and stuff like that. So things have changed and it's credit to that because Disney owns Fox and Fox runs Family Guy. And Family Guy has said many a times how many, and they still air those episodes when they talk about Walt Disney and his anti-Semitism, uh, um, you know, towards, you know, the Jewish community said that many a times. And each time family guy has not been canceled. They have not been removed. So it's safe to say that Disney is accepting that part of history because family guy is one of the biggest shows on TV. It is one of the most popular shows on TV. It's it's been around for 33 seasons, even though it's been canceled multiple times. It's still been around and they've never pulled their punches to this day. So you got to give them credit for that. And you know, it's not like how WWE is where they hide in a race history all the time. there's a difference. WWE has never owned up they never allow NXT to talk about history being erased and talk about people in situations that it based on scandals that they've done they've never done it they never admit it to them like it's so much gangster going on in that company right now it's hard for me to want to support that company because you know I know there's people within the company that are trying to or want to make changes in there but because Vince McMahon is there it's hard to do those changes and I've supported him at one point or another, but the, some of the stuff that he's done is just way too much. So I have more respect for DC comics in the sense that they have allowed themselves to just say like, yes, this company has made mistakes, but within the regime of Jim Lee and others, we're looking to make that change and make it a better brand. I guess I could say the same thing for Shaq with Papa John's. I just hate the fact that they still named this place after that dude. We know what this dude. I, trust me, I used to, I love Papa John's pizza, but knowing that what that man thinks and feels about my community, I can't eat that pizza. Even if his, even if his shack is running it or he's a big part of it, change the damn name. You can keep the pop apart. Just call it Papa pizza. I will invest. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Thank God for options. <laughs> so, um, The other episodes also focus on their cinematic development, which included um, range, pretty much range from the golden age of their series, like the old uh, 50s black and white Superman series, uh, which I used to watch all the time, to the full featured film starring Christopher Reeves, directed by Richard Donner, which was a absolute game changer, not only for comic book movies, but for cinema in general, really did. And I like the fact that they were talking about the casting aspect of this because they were talking about trying to cast people from Robert Redford to Dennis Quaid and uh, Clint Eastwood was even in there. i tell you what, young Clint Eastwood would have made a great Wolverine back then if they would done it. But the problem was the problem with, you know, that situation, even Robert Redford at the time, superhero movies, comic book movies weren't looked at with the respect that they have now. Like there was a vocal minority of people now that are kind of crapping on, you know, the cinematic, uh, integrity of comic book movies. They're trying their best to, but you can't deny their success because these movies are far more better than what those movies were in terms of cinematics, in terms of storytelling and writing in terms of acting. Like you can't say that when you got all like a lot of Oscar winners and Oscar nominated nominated, um, actors playing in these roles. You know, you just can't, but back then people don't understand people who didn't grow up in the seventies or the eighties or whatever, like that, uh, millennials and Gen Z's, if you will, if you're listening, those people back then, comic book movies were looked at as a joke and if, and a career killer for a lot of people, which always amazed me when I watch captain America, the winter soldier and see Robert Redford playing you know in this in this movie because robert redford years ago in the 80s in the 70s and the 60s if they were offered this part they were they would decline it because it was a career killer but thanks to people like wesley snipes and robert downey jr and toby Maguire, and and, you know and and you know practically the whole entire cast of x-men they made they gave it some worth they gave it some worth to say like, okay, maybe we can actually bring something serious to the game of this, of a comic book movie, still be exciting and fun, but have some serious, you know, tones to it. We now see that in the winter so- Falcon, um, in the winter soldier Falcon and Falcon in the winter soldier as well. We see a lot of that in these, in these, del- uh, secret Evasion also had that type of tone too. So I love when we see stuff like this because now things have changed, but man, Clint Eastwood if you look at Clint Eastwood when he was young Clint Eastwood would have been a dead ringer for um for uh Wolverine dead ringer for Wolverine back in the day like Hugh Jackman is kind of the modern day like Clint Eastwood in a lot of ways and and you know um in a lot of ways he's also the uh I forgot the name I'm blurring out the name but yeah he 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 could be considered oh Harrison Ford too in a lot of ways he's kind of both like a little bit of harrison ford and a little bit of clint eastwood combined and if you put them in an aspect so you know of course they also covered tim burton's contributions with the batman movies and the impact that they had Yeah, i love that part because they also showed a lot of the popularity and pandemonium that that movie has brought with a lot of the um items that you could buy in, in your fandom including I was i was watching this and i'm looking at this and i'm like oh my god are they really gonna show this show all the stuff that we used to buy back in the day when batman was a big thing the one big thing that we bought was the batman medallions in the 90s in 89 in the 90s it was like it was the era of spike lee and public enemy and all this stuff so in a black community we used to wear these medallions that represented africa you know, representing our roots and all the stuff. And, you know, it was at a time when we were in an uprise much like we are now, you know, history, are kind of repeating itself, but wearing a medallion with the African, um, with the African symbol on there, or the African map on there represented that we represent our roots. We taking pride in our roots, but then when Batman came out, there was a sudden selling of Batman medallions these leather medallions that used to come out and boy, let me tell you, we would collect those things. I'm going to say, I'm going to say an old school reference that only people my age would know we would collect this thing like lottos, (laughs) okay. Like the lotto strips and dude, I marked out majorly when I saw that and they showed the Batman medallions on this thing. I'm like, oh my God, this documentary is covering everything. (laughs) I mean those Batman medallions were no joke they were also hard to get too so if you got a Batman medallion one thing you were like you people people like got on got in on you because you got the Batman medallion you also had to watch your back too (laughs) because people will try to try to take you for bad too so you had you know it's almost like having a gold chain a gold link if you will those Batman medallions was no joke I'm very highly interested in seeing if I can find if anybody are selling them on (laughs) (laughs) eBay, because if they are I I, you know I might have to just go on nostalgic on a nostalgic uh trip with that 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 to me is just like oh my goodness the Batman medallions I tell you boy that's when you know how popular a damn thing was they also showed a lot of um things out there too in terms you know the documentary didn't shy away from the truth that the Batman films after a while like after Batman Returns Began to grow stale and of course you're gonna talk about batman and robin and all those other ones came out you know um after that with sylvester, not sylvester Stallone um who was it um uh, they showed a clip of um arnold schwarzenegger as mr freeze and all that stuff it got real stupid and comical after a while you know just didn't live up which again why i so love when george clooney came out as uh you know the other universe version of batman and and the flash it was awesome that was awesome that they did that they did cover the batman animated series and they didn't do so until the third episode i was going like i figured like they're talking about the popularity of batman and what they did for dc comics if i i was kind of getting mad because the whole second episode did not cover the popularity if they're going to talk about tim burton's you know um batman movies you also got to talk about the batman animated series Fortunately, they did. They covered the Batman animated series, but I'm a, I I gotta say I'm a, I'm highly disappointed at what they didn't do when they did mention it. They covered the Batman animated series, but they failed to credit or even mention anything about the late great Kevin Conroy and his huge contributions to why that show was successful. And there's no way I will argue this to the ground, and I will, I've, I guarantee you will have people back me up on this. Part of the reason why that show was so successful was not just the animation or the character design, it was the performance of one Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill. Now, I will say that they did mention Mark Hamill, but to me, that kind of was like, that, that to me, I, I that rubbed me the wrong way. Yes, it's Mark Hamill. Yes, it's Luke Skywalker. Yes, it, he is legend. But Kevin Conroy, God damn, that man. That man was absolutely phenomenal. His voice defined with Batman and Bruce Wayne should become, is he's, he's arguably the best Batman actor that ever was and Bruce Wayne yes he was in a booth and I had this we talked about this before I'm not going to say it again I've talked about it before actors are actors whether they're behind a booth or behind a camera it doesn't matter they're actors portraying roles and in this case Kevin Conroy is absolutely the best Batman period Michael Keaton can be argued as still the best live-action actor per se but you talk about a man that captured the dark knight kevin conroy did it tenfold that's why when he left us it was a it was an insanely huge outpour for his performance i feel like this was a big misstep on this documentary because and practically one of the only actual missteps that they had in here but Other than that, it was literally, it it was, you know, it was only one that I found, but it was a major one. And if I was them, you talk about changing clips and and deals. Can we re-edit this, re-upload this and give a thanks, give thanks to Kevin Conroy, because they could have gotten any other guy to play that role of uh, Batman. I don't think it would have done nowhere near as much help. Yes, Troy Baker is the closest to capturing the Kevin Conroy feel, but guess what? He had to find Kevin Conroy was like I think a teen. witness this dude was out, so he got his voice from listening to Kevin Conroy. I'm sorry, like dude, like come on, give that man his credit. I just I'm very, very disappointed at that. I'm it just it, just, it boggles me that they did that there but for the most part like i said they got the rest of it there and they did you know they continued on by talking about another part of the of their um legacy and that is in the uh world of vertigo in milestone media with titles like sandman static icon the Watchmen, and many many more of their you know th- we call it side titles third party titles if you will um wildstorm uh was also you know, talked about too. And they also focused on Jim Lee and how he became, he was one of the most prominent artists. He's the goat of comic book artists and how he transitioned on to just running one of the biggest companies in comic book history, which I still find it wild, like your, your comic book, your, 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 uh, influence as an artist is so deep that it led to you becoming one (laughs) the CEO of the company, man. It's like, it's crazy. The documentary also talks about changing the times, embracing inclusion and representation, as well as improving on the old model once mentioned by Superman and the uproar that it brought the uproar regarding changing the famous quote, truth, justice in the American way to truth, justice and a better tomorrow, which I actually like better. I'm sorry. I just do, um, which sparked outrage from conservative media, all alike. Who voice their opinion with anger? These people, who actually probably never read a comic book a day in their life, <laughs> okay. Who, if we could quiz them on certain co- uh, comic book mythology, they probably wouldn't know. So it's like, why is your word? This is one of those things again. It's, sna- it's snapshot, you know, headlines and, and and hot takes that just creates an uproar of people who don't thoroughly look at the situation. A better tomorrow makes more sense, especially for this modern, you know, um, landscape of our country because we need a better tomorrow, not just in America, but around the world. Okay. So, you know, we heard it from Newsweek from Fox news and their uproar about it, which, oh, whatever, you know, they especially hate it. The idea that Clark's son, Jonathan is bisexual. For some reason they have issue with this. Again, they don't read the comics. They just see what's happening and they want to take, get a hot take on it because that's what's going to bring more people to their eye views. That's the part I hate about media today. It's like, yeah, you talk about it, but don't give your, don't make a a whole editorial about it. Like everything is about editorial narrative. And that's what sucks about most media today, because it's always, they, you know, what's even worse. They do this and I hope people pass this along. They do this because they believe that their target audience. Is has a high level of naivete. And if you don't understand what that is, it means that they think that you're stupid enough to fall for whatever it is. They, they give them, even if it's not true, they know that you're stupid enough to fall for it again. Why I don't watch WWE anymore because they insult your intelligence. All these other outlets insult your intelligence. And they make you actually, they make you actually feel like you are intelligent, but they know, they really know that they are, they're, they're, they're playing on your minds. They're constantly playing on your minds here, man. Um, it is, it's just crazy with that whole thing. There's also a book that I did. I was not aware of that I need to check out. There's a book that I need to find out that has Superman facing the, the KKK to save An Asian family from violence and death. It was a it was based on an old radio um show. You know, before TV, there was radio, and any type of form of soap operas or whatever like that was done in audio. And it's still happening today. There's been the resurgents of that happening today with Audible and stuff like that, which is awesome. But it happened way back in the 50s, and it was like, I thought that was very interesting that DC did that. So they there was a re there's a comic book based on that very radio uh series that's out right now and they just made a comic book version of that and I thought that was really awesome for for its time like we always hear about how Stanley and Jack Kirby kind of like did stuff like that all the time you know created Black Panther um and and done some other things you know based on civil rights and whatnot and I love people who argue about the whole wokeness of Marvel comics. Marvel been woke since 1963. Okay. <laughs> Marvel has been about that civil rights life since 1963, 1962, to be honest. They've always been about this. Like where you been, how much of a comic book fan are you? If you didn't know that the X-Men was based on a civil rights movement that the mutants were proverbial, actually the proverbial black people of, of the comic book universe. (laughs) Okay. How like Martin Luther King and, and, and Magneto were depictions of Malcolm X and Martin Luther, you know, Martin Luther King. And I mean, Charles Xavier and, uh, and Magneto were depictions of Martin Luther King and, and Magneto. I mean, I keep mixing it up in Malcolm X, like, dude, First of all, the the term woke came from hip hop. It came from the black community and then people all of a sudden want to adopt it and make it mainstream. That was that was our way of, you know, we used that term to identify what was going on in the world against us and that we need to wake up to the realities of racism and what's going on in this world. And now you guys want to rebrand it into something else. Okay. I I see. Just like everything. Everything we do, you try to rebrand it as your own. It happens all the time. <laughs> it happens throughout time, man. We could collect a lot of it. We could go back, we could make a whole entire podcast series out of that. But you know it's it's like the fact that we were able to, you know, do stuff like that and DC Comics being able to do stuff like that, I thought it was pretty awesome so i need to check that out as well um the third documentary focuses on the success and failures of the DC films I again them taking accountability and being transparent I thought it was awesome they could have easily been like just talked about the films that they made but not talk about the you know the failures of it they went out and said these movies bombed in this documentary they admitted these movies bombed Um, what do they thought about the Josh Wheaton, you know, uh, series? It it, it didn't live up. Um, what they talked about, you know, certain other series that just didn't live up and how now James Gunn is taking over the helm and trying to make change to it. They also talked about the, uh, the Arrowverse, the the success of the Arrowverse in accordance to what was the failures of the DC universe. And, you know, of course, Greg Bellanti, he's producing this thing. So he has to put his say so in here. He also talked about how, like growing up, he didn't have anybody, you know, any, uh, storylines or anything that he can relate to because he was gay and he was openly gay and he couldn't relate to anything in comic books, but DC, I mean, he couldn't relate to things in life and DC comics kind of was that relatable thing that he was a- able to cling on to, which is awesome that he was able to create the hour and do what he was able to do and make those messages and make relatable characters that people can cling to on air the Arrowverse is awesome and I'm actually thinking about getting ready to re-watch a lot of those shows again like starting with Arrow and all that stuff it's been a while since I saw them and I am currently watching uh Stephen Amell's uh Hills I finally got a chance to check that out um and that's pretty awesome too and uh it's good to see him back in 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 the picket lines as well <laughs> fighting for fighting for that cause right there because he uh he got himself into a little bit you know trouble there he has failed his union if you will at the time but he's uh going back in the trenches to redeem himself on that note um but yeah man the, the arrowverse was the the biggest success of dc bar none they lasted over a decade making some great do it doing the the what i didn't hear is that they basically took the marvel cinematic formula and made it up and made it their own they used the same almost the same formula the same ingredients just with different you know characters and it worked for them and it was very successful for years on end and they used it with a insanely huge budget you know they talked about how they compared in contrast uh, greg Volante compared and contrast what he did with the what he was able to do with the flash in terms of modern you know cgi technology and according to what they couldn't do back then with the original flash um series that we saw in the 90s which in all fairness that was still a pretty good show um they did what they could with that show but like obviously now with technology uh you know evolving we can do so much more and they did and the flash has been awesome um throughout this time it did it did a great the whole Arrowverse was just fantastic so a overall I would have given it I would have given this an A plus if they really did all of it but that that kevin conroy um them slighting uh kevin conroy in here to me that was um that 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 burned me that burned me hard so i mean i think this actually gets a b plus slightly to a minus but more of a b plus because missing out kevin conroy kevin conroy his contributions of of his role as batman and, and and bruce wayne on the batman animated series led to all these other movies that we got to see all these batman movies that he got to reprise that role um the, the batman arkham games that of course, they mentioned that and he still didn't mention kevin conroy they mentioned the success of the marvel of the batman arkham series games that we got to play and injustice They talked about that. They talked about the video game aspect, which Kevin Conroy played. Like they had to get Kevin Conroy to play Batman in both of those because they knew fans were into his character. And then because of the success that him and Mark Hamill and others did in that series led to Justice League, led to the Superman series, led to all these other movies that we got to see. And Kevin Conroy voiced all of them, the majority of them. Up until like later on when they did Flashpoint Paradox, that's when they did the switch to the other actor who I think the guy from uh, Supernatural. They they switched on to him to do the to do those roles because they were passing the torch. And then Kevin Connery came back and did some other ones again. And by the way, if you haven't forgotten, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League is scheduled to come out in 2024. Hopefully, offline game uh, single player gameplay with this and. Kevin Conroy makes his final performance on there. They gotta make that right. They, I, it just is. So, the more I talk about it, the more I'm saying like, yeah, this documentary gets a B plus. It is a very thorough, very thorough, very transparent documentary with one major missing element of appreciation on there. It is worth checking out nonetheless so go out of your way check it out it's it's on max right now you might be able to even get it on stream somewhere um but it is worth checking out if you're a dc fan from there so folks that will do it for what's new in the world of acmg we're going to take a break come back and i will give my review of justice league war world the latest dc animated movie coming out right now and uh we'll talk about that right after this Live.com. talktimelive.com provides all of our acmg content with new and previous episodes exclusive interviews articles and much more visit talktimelive.com and let us help you learn to let go live life and love all things acmg talk Tom, live hey folks this is brian Holler, and you may know me from such films as clerks Small Ratch, chasing amy and a whole bunch of usq films and you are listening to acmg presents Talk Time live do it. And now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? Fight! Folks, we are back with our talk topic of the week and it is my review of Justice League Warworld, World. Uh, sup- believed to be their first rated R animated feature. But if you watch this, you wouldn't see that maybe I didn't see the rated R version or not, but there was nothing in here that warrant a R rating. Nothing, not the lines that were said, the dialogue that was had, it was just, it came off like a normal, maybe I was, maybe I'd seen a more tamed version. i rented this one. I didn't buy it this time because I figured it's going to be on you know, max in about like a course of a month or so. So I just, you know, paid five 99 for it and kept it moving, but I wanted to see this. And plus I heard that, you know, there were mixed reactions to this movie and according to compared to other previous uh movies of this version of the uh justice league that we were seeing now, remember this, these, these new series of movies are taking place after the new 52 versions, um, that occurred cause they they pretty much killed that one off and now we're seeing the i consider this the rebirth um series of these movies which i do like for the most part i love the new animated style the new art style that they do them where you know every character has this really beautiful thick outline to it and the animation's gorgeous if you will that's always going to be a plus in my book um the story though i can see where people had a little bit of you know, they were a little taken back by the story because it kind of, it was very slow pace and only by the end, and by the way, if you wanna see this movie, go see it for yourself. Um, You may have a different opinion on it, but I'm gonna spoil some things in here because in order to explain myself, it's, you're gonna have to explain what's going on with this whole thing. So, Justice League War World, when you think War World, if you're a DC fan, you know that War World usually connects to Mongol, who's the ruler of this planet that they just constantly are in constant battle with. But it doesn't start out that way. Like when you saw the trailer, the trailer made you believe that there's gonna be a constant climatic battle throughout this whole entire time, as if it was secret wars or crisis on infinite earth to that that extent, and really didn't exactly do that. It started off. This should have been called else world more than Warworld world because it involved Clark, Bruce and Diana to actually be, um, to actually be in a different world. Like Diana was in our, in a different world. Bruce was in a different world. Clark was in a different world and they started off with Diana and basically Diana was in a Western like world, which really fit her a lot in in a lot of cases. And she's trying to figure out who she is. She's lost her memory of who she was. And, you know, she comes across a couple people, one that looked like Steve Trevor, another guy that just happened to be Jonah Hex. And normally Jonah Hex is a good guy. Uh, Jonah Hex played by Troy Baker this time around did a really good job as always. He's Troy Baker for God's sake. Um, But he, you know, he pretty much ended up being a bad guy. He ended up being a villain of this world. So, you know, things were just going crazy and going wrong. And I'm like, are they in another dimension or another universe? Because they always seem to jump. What the Justice League is always known for doing is jumping to different universes all the time. If you ever watched any any Justice League TV series or whatever or read the comics, they always jump into some universe that rather it's a universe that has their own version of a different variation of themselves on air, or are they go into the universe where He-Man is involved, or go into the universe where the Power Ranger is involved. They always jump into these different universes. And by the way, every bit of what I said was true. If you didn't read comic books, the justice league had a has a crossover with uh masters of the universe and they have one of the teenage mutant ninja turtles i believe and they have one of um what do you know? ruby is the recent one there's a ruby there's a movie out right now when um with the cast of ruby on air that ruby crosses over with um with the justice league and they somehow got into that universe too so yeah i'm not joking they do these crossovers and they did one with the power rangers too so um these are all legit names that i'm popping off you go going to max right now the ruby cross uh ruby crossover with uh the justice league is on air watched. it's actually not bad it's actually not bad if you're a ruby fan you'll actually enjoy that one but um you know they, they always stem some universe so you got to figure out is this what is going on here does she go into the past whatever like that so you would learn that she is in a whole nother universe at this point and you know stay uh stana uh Kadick, who plays wonder woman here i like this version because you know she's been playing Wonder woman for the past few versions of it and they're now giving her sort of an accent in this one so i thought that was pretty cool um but you're trying to figure out who you know what's going on in this case and why is jonah hex a bad guy in this in this version right now so there's that situation there and she manages to defeat Jonah Hex and, you know, find the Steve Trevor person, but something happens to Steve Trevor and, you know, uh, Jonah Hex ends up killing this Steve Trevor, like, you know, character and ends up beating the beating Jonah Hex to death in his case. So then we transition to this other world where Bruce is in. Um, Bruce played by Jensen Ackles from, um, from supernatural in the boys recently and also in this i thought this was pretty cool brett dalton plays batlash uh brett dalton if you guys remember is um from agents of shield and everybody's favorite turncoat Gar- uh, grant ward so he's in this and good to good to hear him doing uh, another role at this point so he's in here, and you know batman is basically in some medieval like warrior world or whatever like that and he's trying to, you know, figure out what's going on here. And, you know, he's not even himself. He's trying to take over this monarch, if you will. And, you know, reap the rewards of this whole thing and not realizing that he's not his normal self until later on. So, I mean, you have that in this situation, then we transition over to Clark mild mannered detective, if you will, he's in this world and like this kind of noir, like you know, black and white mystery, you know, sci-fi mystery, if you will, where they're trying to figure out who, what's going on. There's a, a, there's a possible alien invasion going on, which there were, and they don't know who to trust in this case. So it's like a whole mystery, new mystery out of this whole thing. And when we start to see who is behind it, we find out it's the white Martians. So now we're seeing, okay, if the white Martians are around, John Jones is not too far away from here. And that's when it all leads to what's really going on. John Jones is being held captive and he's against his will. Capturing the minds of the Trinity, Batman, Superman, and wonder woman. And this is how the guys end up in our world. He's being held captive by Mongol in war world to try to, you know, take over, take them over, try to defeat them that way. And Mongols working with the white Martians. In all of this as well so when they finally figured this out and somehow they were able to free and by the way lobo is also teaming up with um mongo as well lobo played by john dimaggio everybody's favorite character ben, voice of bender if you will on the new futurama that's out on hulu right now um he's playing uh mongo perfect per uh, lobo perfect person to play that role and we're seeing a continuation a connection to the original the last time we saw him which was uh superman uh man of tomorrow which was the first movie of the entire this new desire universe here so we're seeing him return there's another connection so it looks like they're building on a bigger storyline coming which now is having to do with mongol um marshall man hunter playing by ike amandi uh you know he he does a good job. And here you know what's funny? There's a part of the noir vert the, this the Superman storyline here where they're trying to figure out who's the alien. It's so bad because there was all these white characters in this, and this is like supposed to be taken back in 1950s, 1960 you know, nineteen fifties type of noir type of uh ambiance, if you will, in the environment. All these white people in this diner or whatever, and they, the detectives in there, Clark and the other detectives in there, and they're trying to figure out who's the alien the minute that they, I'm looking at the only black guy in there. I'm like, I, I'm it's sad to say this. I'm like, that's the alien <laughs> because basically if you read DC comics, every Martian or every alien in the DC universe, for some reason comes to earth and they become black people I don't know what the hell that's about I, I mean there's a part of me that finds it cool and a lot of part of me that finds it really interesting I mean you took Martian Manhunter his cousin they are all both you know they portray themselves as black and I th- I think I do know the reason I think it's because I I I think I, I could be wrong I need to find somebody who, who's more understanding of the mythology than I do but I think there's a reason why that, um, John Jones and his cousin both portray themselves as African-Americans or people of color in the comics. There is a, it's, it's by design. Um, I believe more positive design than it is anything, but then you also got like characters like icon, you know, uh, from milestone media, but again, that's kind of interesting because that was created by a black writer and whatnot. So but it's just interesting. Like all the aliens in the DC universe are all black (laughs) in some cases. And if they're from Mars or whatever, they're black. So it was like, it was, I don't know if it was good or bad that I just automatically knew that the black guy in the diner was the alien and turns out it was, um, there's that situation, but it all led into John Jones manipulating, uh, Lobo's mind to free, you know, um, the trinity out of their mind situation and which allowed them to fight back against the white martians and now this all leads into something a little bit bigger than before come to find out that this entire movie was just part one of what's going on so it left us slightly with a cliffhanger but it, to me it wasn't really a good cliffhanger it would it didn't leave us since like if you compare this movie to across the spider-verse then you would, there's two totally different ways of handling a cliffhanger. And this one did not do it as success. Like there was a lot of great cliffhangers this year across the spider versus one of them. Um, fast X was another one. And I forgot there may have been another cliffhanger in a show this year, but if you compare the cliffhangers of those two movies to this one, those were a plus cliffhangers. Cause we were unaware what was going on. We was, we were sitting at the edge of our feet from start to finish with both of those movies. And by the end, it was like, oh my God, this is not the end. This is something else they're leaving. You know, there's going to be another one coming this one. It was, it was very lukewarm at the end because one you weren't held by the edge of your feet from the beginning you were confused at the beginning especially when you had the trailer giving you like okay this is going to be all out war 2 this is going to be a rated r affair so you're expecting something extremely violent or whatever like there are so many of their dc movies that deserve the rated r banter this was not it i didn't even see a red band trailer to this like mortal any of the mortal Kombat animated series deserves a rated r rating for it okay this one did not um so you kind of it's kind of a misleading type of aspect of that um and then it's just like you're confused because you've got these three different worlds happening and there's something bigger going on behind, you know behind the scenes and it doesn't really turn up until after you figure out that they're not the worlds that they're in is not real and then they have a big action scene but i believe it's like the remaining 29 minutes of the movie, the movie is about an hour and 29 minutes. So like by the 29 minutes, like you got 29 minutes of action and discovery. And then it's just like, okay, the pacing of it to me was just bad. It came from, it ranged from slow to immediately rapid fast. And it just was no in between in it. So, I mean, not to say that this was a bad film. This was just not the best film that they have made so far and hopefully with the second part of this movie coming hopefully but don't give her so don't give her hopes up because of the writer's strike now so i don't know how much of a progress that they're going to be in in terms of are, are they already finished with this or not can they produce can they come out with this movie already um i don't know what's going to happen and how action-packed the other part is going to be to even warrant what they did with this one so it's not a bad film it just wasn't their best and I can see why people have mixed reviews for it. it I mean it's it's a it's a now that I know what's going on I could watch it probably the second time with a better enjoyment but still it the execution didn't pull off as good as I thought it was and I usually like how you know DC does their storytelling or whatnot and and how they pace things with action this just wasn't one of them right now so if i'm going to give this a grade it's probably going to be a b just a solid b not a b plus not an a minus not an a it's a b it's a good film it's beautifully drawn and be- beautifully animated um the acting itself were great was great i just don't think the storytelling in the pacing of the storytelling didn't do it justice no pun um so this is a f- rare for me to say but I would just rent this at best. I mean, if you're a hardcore DC animated collector, by all means, go at it, go ahead. go for it. But if you're somebody who just like, is this gonna be worth paying for? I would say rent it or wait for it to come out on max, which is probably like another month or so. Um, if you have max, just wait until it comes out then. And then, you know, check it out there, it, you know, This wasn't one of their best in terms of stories being told. Um, so I would definitely, I would definitely, you know, just hold off on this one. Maybe if the second one answers and the second one, you know, kind of makes the first one look better in comparison or in combination, maybe that you could go with that, but other than that, yeah, I would, I would hold off from there for now and, uh, see what we do with that. So folks will do it for this edition of talk time live I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as always um this week or next week I should say Blue Beetle comes out I will be doing a review of that um we may have a select start this week it depends I see what's going on in the world of our video games right there I don't know if I have anything to review because like I said on, um on the wrestling uh, the Rampage Ramble podcast that I did with Boris um on sn uh, SNME, uh Radio.com. you can check it out there and check out that episode i did with boris there um there won't be anything out until the week after mostly because Russell quest comes out on the 22nd as well as immortals of axiom and i ain't playing both of them and reviewing both at the same time one of those has got to be delayed so i i'm actually going to possibly do a collab review of russell quest with boris so i'll give you information on when we do that. i think we're going to do that on his platform and then maybe i'll follow up with it on a week later but uh immortals axiom comes out the same day i think that's going to be the bigger game in my opinion and you know then down the line other games will be coming to mortal kombat and all that stuff we'll be reviewing so we'll do all that plus the news that is going on from there Um, but next week Blue Beetle is coming out, so I will be reviewing that. So stay tuned for that as well. We're gonna continue the DC film fandom, if you will, and hopefully I I got. I feel like I got high hopes for this one. I think this should be a really fun movie, and it might be. It could be in the uh, cuffs of one of my favorites. I am a. I am. I am a fan of Blue Beetle. I love the concept. I love the idea of it. I love the representation of this. Uh, movie and, and what it stands for and whatever like that. So I'm looking forward to it. So stay tuned for next week for that. If you love this episode and every episode of talk time live, please go to our official website at talk, live.com where you can find all of our audio episodes, all of our video, exclusive interviews with people. And I may have a person or two coming up soon, exclusively not actors, unfortunately, cause they can't do interviews at this time. Um, but we will have something somebody come up soon and um check out that because i think uh this is going to be a music related one still in the world of you know uh video games and comics and all of our favorite fandoms, but i got something planned for that but you know we're we're counting down the days in new york uh, comic cons coming and um in october and all these other cool things are coming so stay tuned for that and much much more um other shows are coming too in, in the month of august too we got one piece uh, that is coming out we got a few other shows that are coming out this week the continental series is coming so there's going to be a lot to talk about and reviews down the line too so go ahead and check it out all on TalkTomLive.com, and also i got blog uh entries that'll be coming soon the new controller that i talked about on select start for the nintendo switch i will be posting on there as well um, and, uh, some other things too. So stay tuned for all that and much, much more. If you would like to subscribe and download, please support the show and subscribe and download to your favorite podcast platforms. That is Spotify, Ida heart radio, Ida, not Ida heart radio, Iheart radio, <laughs> Apple podcast, Google podcast, Stitcher pop tune in audible pocket Cast, you name it we are there we're everywhere where podcasts are played so folks thank you again and that'll do it for me on behalf of myself this is Dax Xavier Josiah saying learn to let go live life love all things anime comics movies and games this is ACMG presents talk time live I am out of take care and you guys have a great week Music for this episode is provided by GameChops. Check out these great chip tune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.